that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. September 15th, Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. Then, fourteen years later, I, Paul, went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas, and Titus came along too. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, I talked privately with the leaders of the church. I wanted them to understand what I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure they did not disagree, or my ministry would have been useless. And they did agree. They did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised, though he was a Gentile. Even that question wouldn't have come up except for some so-called Christians there, false ones really, who came to spy on us and see our freedom in Christ Jesus. They wanted to force us, like slaves, to follow their Jewish regulations, but we refused to listen to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the good news for you, and the leaders of the church who were there had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, their reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites. They saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the good news to the Gentiles, just as He had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. For the same God who worked through Peter for the benefit of the Jews worked through me for the benefit of the Gentiles, In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles, while they continued their work with the Jews. The only thing they suggested was that we remember to help the poor, and I have certainly been eager to do that. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him publicly, speaking strongly against what he was doing, for it was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians, who didn't bother with circumcision. But afterward, when some Jewish friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore because he was afraid of what these legalists would say. Then the other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was influenced to join them in their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the good news, I said to Peter in front of all the others, Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you trying to make these Gentiles obey the Jewish laws you abandoned? You and I are Jews by birth not sinners like the Gentiles. And yet, we Jewish Christians know that we become right with God, not by doing what the law commands, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be accepted by God because of our faith in Christ, and not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be saved by obeying the law. greatest revival of all time took place when that entire city turned to God in repentance, they repented of their sins and everyone in the whole city turned to God and God spared that city the judgment. And I've been praying for America. Oh, God, spare America because we see the possibilities of our world being destroyed, not only in atomic war, 
but also by AIDS and other things that are gripping our world at the moment. The Queen of the South shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. But behold, a greater than Solomon is here. How could a greater than Solomon ever come? I want to talk about that tonight. I want to use Solomon's life as an illustration of the lives of Americans today and American young people. Because you see, Solomon was a man of great knowledge. And we look on every hand today and we see young people seeking knowledge, security, love. It seems that they're on a great quest. Young people seek to define themselves in terms of clothes they wear. And we hear that the miniskirt is on the way back. And the crowd they run with and the things they buy and the places they go and the rock concerts they attend. But many of our young people today are lonely. And I was talking to the dean of one of our great Eastern universities, and I said, what is the greatest problem on this campus? He said, lack of purpose and meaning. That was Dr. Bach at Harvard University. Now, the results of, jo of Solomon's search were expressed time after time. He said, vanity of vanities. Life is nothing but a vanity. And the word vanity means a bubble that burst. He sought pleasure by every conceivable means, but it was nothing but a bursting bubble. Solomon had it all. And at the end, he said, it's not worth it. First, Solomon attained great knowledge. He knew more than any man that ever lived except Jesus Christ. He said, I've gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me and all of those that are going to follow me in Ecclesiastes 1.16. In 1 Kings 4.30, it says, Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. He said, I gave my heart to know wisdom and I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit for in much wisdom and knowledge there is much grief. He said, you can know it all. Have all the knowledge and have all the PhDs and all the rest, but it doesn't satisfy something deep inside our hearts and our souls. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And the struggle intensifies around the globe right now for the hearts and minds of youth. But Christ said we're to love God with our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And you cannot come to God alone through your mind. Our natural minds have been affected by sins. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.14, their minds were blinded. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. The God of this world is the devil. The Bible teaches there is a devil. There are demons. And they have the power to blind your mind towards 